we've had some nice weather lately so we have been busy outside digging up stuff and planting stuff and just getting ready for spring summer fall uh, this is our first spring in this house so we didn't know if there'd be any spring flowers or not and there were not uh, so that means this fall we'll be planting a bunch of bulbs tulips and daffodils and crocus and hyacinth and all that but what there is is a bunch of stuff that we don't really care for and that we're going to be getting rid of except for the rose bushes that are here uh, i enjoy going to lowe's and looking for plants now at the back of their greenhouses they always have these racks that are six feet high and however many shelves on them of plants that have been discounted and they're usually about half off and over the years I've found that you know they just need some water and some love and that's where we've gotten a, a whole lot of our plants is right there uh, being a good steward and ending up with a, a nice looking garden but you have to get what you want when you see it because your next trip back you may be gone uh, I had gotten some dianthus I don't know maybe four packs of them and they had a whole bunch of them I went back the next day and there was nothing so there's nothing wrong with most of them but you know I hate to pay full price for anything you know it's it's kind of like people you know when we lack care we don't look so good uh, we're not necessarily wilted but just not our bright shiny selves sometimes we need to get someone to come along and give us a little attention maybe not water but a smile or just to let us know that we exist you know, we've found many associates at Walmart that you know just look and act like they really hate to be there and you know maybe they've just started their shift or you know maybe they've been there a few hours whatever but if you look at their name tag and call them by name ask them how they're doing you know wish them a good day you know it just kind of changes their whole attitude their whole mindset you know there was one young girl that she had a, a pin on that said class of 2020 and uh, last summer and so i started talking with her about how you know it had been such a weird year for kids graduation and proms and stuff like that that they probably missed out on and, and just totally changed the way she was acting so you know just kind of try it because one thing I know is it works let's pray father we just give you thanks that we have power that we don't use sometimes and that's power through you to uh, make somebody feel a little more important make somebody feel like they uh, are existing for a reason uh, because that's what you did with people that you stopped and you took the time and learned you haven't maybe given us the healing touch that you had but Lord you helped us maybe 
heals somebody's outlook for the day. And so, Father, help us to, to not neglect that because it's an important gift that you've given us. So, Father, as we look at your word, uh, looking on this all-important, most important day of the year, uh, Father, help us to, to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my message last week, that Saturday, had little scripture to use. Just kind of guessing at what the disciples were doing and wondering where they were and trying to pick their brains from almost 2,000 years away. But this message has an abundance of scripture, uh, some not totally agreeing, but seeing things through different eyes and recalling different things, uh, who was where and when and all of that. So I'm going to try to do my best to put together a message from the disciples' perspective. Not saying I think this one was probably more accurate than the next one. So let's start with who went to the tomb. And for the most part, I'm just going to stick with the NIV translation today. Uh, I know I, I did a message one somewhere in there. But let's look at Matthew 28, 1. It says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. The other Mary is possibly the mother of James and Joses. Uh, you know, that probably is a guess by the translator. Mark 16, 1 says Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices. Now, it just says that these women were just kind of looking around, checking things out, all right? And then Luke 24, 1 says, on the first day of the week, the women took spices that they had prepared. It doesn't name any women, okay? It just says the women. And then in John 21, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Okay, so three out of four say that Mary Magdalene was there. And Luke gave no names. Uh, but note one thing, no one says that any of the disciples went to the tomb. Okay, they were still in hiding. They were still trying to cover themselves. So what did the women or woman find when they got to the tomb? Well, Matthew 28, 2, it says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Can you put yourself in place of these women that were there? This angel appears just kind of out of nowhere, <coughs> causing an earthquake, rolls a stone from the entrance, and sits on it. Just sits on the stone. Doesn't say that he did anything else, but just sit there. Now, verses 3 and 4 give a little more detail. It says, His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook 
and became like dead men. These guys, they had to wonder, what is happening? I mean, they probably didn't believe in angels to begin with. And along comes this angel causing an earthquake, rolls a stone away and sits on it. And they're kind of wondering, well, what are we going to do? Now, we don't know what this angel looked like. We know, you know, a little bit. It says his appearance was like lightning. Okay, so the guards probably thought, I don't think we want to mess with this guy, okay? I think we're just going to kind of act like we don't see him and just sort of stand here and hope that he doesn't come over and do something to us. Well, Mark 16 says that the two Marys and Salome were chatting about how to get the stone rolled away. You know, on their way, they're saying, you know, hey, you know, there's a big stone there. And how are we going to get this? You know, we're just three scrawny old women. They probably weren't scrawny. Women did a lot of work. But in verse 4, it says, But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very heavy, had been rolled away. Well, verse 5 tells us a different story than Matthew because it says they entered the tomb. They saw a young man in a white robe sitting on the right side. Another angel just sitting there. But this angel was inside the tomb. Okay, Matthew's angel was sitting on the stone outside the tomb. Okay, so I guess we could assume that this angel and Mark had rolled the stone away and then went into the tomb? We'll have to ask him. Okay, and Luke 24.2 tells us that they just found the stone rolled away. Okay, it doesn't go into any more detail. Now, John 20 verse 1 goes on to tell us that Mary Magdalene found that the stone had been moved away from the tomb. And verse 2 says, she took off running. Okay, so now we have women at the tomb. And the stone has been moved. And Matthew tells us in verses 4 through 7 that the angel spoke to the women. He said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. <coughs> Excuse me. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. I cannot imagine the fear, the excitement, the questions, maybe some doubt that these women had to have had. Now, Mark tells us the angel in the tomb spoke to the women. He says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Pretty much the same message. But Mark says, make sure you tell Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter. Well, why? Well, maybe Jesus had given that instruction to the angel. 
probably Jesus knew how Peter was feeling about himself and what he had done, just like Jesus said he was going to do. So he wanted to single him out and make sure that Peter knew that he was still important, he was still included. Now Luke tells us that the women entered the tomb and Jesus was not there. While they were trying to figure this out, in verses 4 and 5, it says, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. The women were scared and bowed down. The men, or we can assume angels, said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Well, Jesus had told them that he was going to be arrested. He had told them that he would be crucified. And he said, on the third day, I'm going to be raised. You know, maybe the light started to come on for these women. You know, if apparently the angel knew that they had been there because he said, remember what he told you, not what he told them. So the women must have been there and heard what Jesus said. And so, you know, they're thinking, oh, yeah, I do remember that. You know, we were wherever and, you know, this was going on and Jesus was talking and Jesus told us all these things. Now, in John, it says Mary Magdalene came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, excuse me, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Now, when John talked about who went to the tomb, he just mentioned Mary Magdalene. But when Mary Magdalene reported back to Simon Peter and John, she said, we don't know where they put him. So maybe there was more women that went with him, with her. So, so now... The eleven know that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, but nobody knows where he is. Now the angels, the angels reported that he's risen and that he's no longer there. Because the one angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? So the disciples have to be wondering, you know, well, what did happen. Where is he? You know, there were guards there and not just anybody could come along and roll a stone away and take his body out without somebody knowing it. <coughs> and, you know, maybe the, the Pharisees came and, and took him and, you know, they're going to do something more to him as if they haven't done enough already. Excuse me. But remember this. The disciples should have known that this was going to happen. Matthew continues this way, verses 8 through 10. It says, The women hurried from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. 
Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Afraid, yet filled with joy. <laughs> I can only imagine. You know, just wondering what has happened. You know, the last they knew, their Messiah, their Savior, was dead in the tomb with a stone rolled over it. Now the stone's been moved, his body is gone, and here he is standing in front of them, speaking to them. And it says that they, they clasped his feet so they could touch him and feel him and know they weren't just imagining something, that it wasn't just a, a vision that they were having, that it was actually Jesus. Well, Mark 8 tells us, or excuse me, Mark in verse 8, 16, 8, says, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, Mark 16 goes on to verses 9 through 20. And, you know, there's a, an asterisk there. Um, because it says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. Okay? But it gets included with that asterisk. Well, in verses 9 through 11, it tells us that Mary Magdalene, it says that she told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. They did not believe it. Now, that's a real possibility. Women were not giving given much authority at any time or any place. And, you know, they probably thought, you know, these women been in the wine already this morning. You know, these women are seeing things. You know, they're just making it up because they thought it really sounded good. And, you know, we'd all wish he was alive. But, you know, yeah, uh, we can't believe this. Well, Luke gives another version of what happened. Verses 9 and 10. It says he tells us the women told their story, but no one believed and thought it was nonsense. Except Peter. Hmm. Did he hope it was true? Did Peter wonder, you know, could they be telling the truth? Is this maybe real? John tells it like this, starting in verse 3. It says, he and Peter ran for the tomb. John was faster, and he got there first, but he didn't go in. He just kind of bent over and looked inside. Well, Peter showed up, and he went firing right in. So let me backtrack just a little bit to Matthew 28, 11 to 15, because this is really interesting. And I took this from the message. It says, Meanwhile, the guards had scattered, but a few of them went into the city and told the high priest everything that had happened. They called a meeting of the religious leaders and came up with a plan. They took a large sum of money and gave it to the soldiers, bribing them to say, His disciples came in the night and stole his body while we were sleeping. They assured them, If the governor hears about your sleeping on duty, we'll make sure you don't get blamed. 
The soldiers took the bribe and did as they were told. That story, cooked up in the Jewish High Council, is still going around. Now, I'm sure that maybe some of those on the Jewish High Council, when they said, you know, hey, if the governor says anything about you sleeping, we'll make sure you don't get blamed. They probably didn't really care. You know, they just wanted that story out there. What happened to these guys really didn't make a whole lot of difference to them. But you don't know. You know, but it's a real possibility that this happened because the soldiers knew that they were going to get in trouble one way or another. And so they may as well get some money out of the deal. You know, we're going to get our heads chopped off if we do nothing and get caught. Or we're going to get our heads chopped off if we tell this lie and get caught. So, you know, at least our family will have a little bit of insurance money here. Well, so now the disciples all know. And they're filled with questions. Some investigate. And what do they find? Well, Matthew and Mark don't tell us about any of the disciples going to the tomb. Luke tells us this in verse 12. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, if you remember back in Luke when the women came and told their story and nobody believed them except Peter. So now in verse 12 it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Wondering what would happen next. Wouldn't he see Jesus? And if he did, would Jesus say, Told you so, didn't I, Peter? Okay. Told you exactly what was going to happen. Not two times would you disown me. Not four times, but three times. And when you did it that third time, what happened, Peter? Heard the old rooster, didn't you? Or would Jesus forgive him? Well, John goes on to give us the most details of the visit to the tomb, since he was one that had gone there. Beginning at the end of verse 6 and going through verse 10, <clears throat> excuse me, so Simon Peter came along behind John and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, meaning John, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. In verse 8, John says, He saw and believed. I imagine John relived that moment time and time again. But it also says that they still didn't understand from the scriptures 
that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So over the next days, they had to be, you know, really going through this. You know, what did Jesus say? You know, where were we when he said this? And were you there when he said that? Well, at the end of verse 6 and into verse 7, John said, he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in, a, in its place, separated from the linen. Now, some versions say there was a napkin around Jesus's head and that it was folded. Now, there's been circulating around the internet in the last 10, 15 years that this folded napkin was significant. And this is what I found pertaining to that. It says, it has been rumored that folding the napkin at the table is a Jewish custom that means a person folding the napkin intends to return. Numerous Bible study sources have checked, but there is nothing about this alleged Jewish custom of the folded napkins. The rumors state that if the napkin was not folded, that Jesus was not returning. But since it was folded, that that means that Jesus is coming back. You know, no matter what happened to the napkin or the cloth or whatever you want to call it, Jesus is coming back. So John goes on to give us more than the other gospel writers. In chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things. He is alive. He is risen. He is alive forevermore. You know, there's a, a lot of songs to, to choose from that tell this story. <clears throat> so I chose this one. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last.
Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. There, none other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. He does live. He is coming again. We need to be ready. And there's only one way. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that he loves us and that you accept us just like we are, that we don't have to be good enough because we never could be. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, to take our sins, all of our sins, for eternity, to take them from us and to take them into his body. And so our sins died on that cross with Jesus Christ. So his death, his death showed that he was the sacrifice that was needed. But on the third day, he wasn't there when they went to the tomb because he's alive. And his new life shows that he is the Savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son to do what no person could ever do. That he came to earth as fully human and at the same time, he was fully God. Thank you for that. If there's anyone that doesn't know this and believe this, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, do it like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. The only Savior is your Son, Jesus. Thank you for his death. Thank you for his life. And because of that new life, I too can have new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.